Today we begin the season of Advent, which basically means the coming of God, God's coming to us. Many Catholic thinkers explain that there are three different comings of God. First, there was the historical coming of God in the Incarnation, when Christ became the Lord, the Son of God became man. Then there's the second coming of Christ at the end of time, when he will come in glory. But then in the third place, there's also a more secret and intermediate coming of God through his grace. God comes to us in Holy Communion every time we come to the Eucharist. He comes to us through his invisible grace in many ways. But I'd like to center this homily today on the second coming. We'll go I'll reflect on the different comings along this Sundays of Advent, but this first Sunday, I'd like to focus on the second coming, since our readings especially speak about this in the way the Lord says to watch for the Lord when he comes back. Now, the objection that we may feel about this particular second coming of God is that maybe it's not that relevant. That could be so far away and it's something so otherworldly that it doesn't seem to impact my day-to-day -day life. But what I would like to argue is that the second coming of Jesus is connected to one of our deepest desires. It is the most, the most powerful reason to endure hardships in this life, and it saves us from losing our way as disciples. So the first thing, the second coming of Christ is connected to one of the deepest desires that we all have. And we have many kinds of desires all the time. But one that is very strong is the desire to be good and to be perceived as good. You know, whenever you watch a movie, read a book, and there's a hero or good person, good character in the, in the movie, you naturally identify with that hero. And you kind of think, I, I don't want to be like the mean characters on, on, over there. I want to be like this good character. It's, it's an instinctive movement. And the thought that there is the potential in me to become evil is awful. It's almost too hard to endure. You know, whenever something brings home to us that I I have acted in an evil way. For example, say I have said something really hurtful to, to someone I love. When this happens, it's so difficult that I, I try to find excuses for that. I start to challenge myself, why did I say that? Um, I, I wasn't thinking maybe, or maybe you know, it caught me by surprise, but I'm not like that. But the truth is that evil can surface inside of us. And worst of all, we may accept it. We, we can convince ourselves that this evil thing or evil res bad response is justifiable. In other words, you know, there are areas of our souls that are still unredeemed, that are still waiting for the, the Savior to come. And this is what the prophet Isaiah says in the first reading today with such disarming honesty. Such, such a raw prayer. He says, God, why do you let our hearts become hardened? 
Why do you allow me to, to wander away from you? It's a cry from the human soul that cries out for the Savior. I, I still need you to come because I am not always, I'm not always good, but I would want to be. And we know that in this life, our goodness will always be a bit frail. It's not completely consolidated. Our goodness can only be secured when Christ comes, whether at the end of time or when he calls us to himself. But while we tra travel in this life, we always have that sort of uncertainty. Will I end up being always good? Mostly good. I want to think I will, but God, come to me and help me. The second, this, the second idea is that the coming of Christ at the end of time, second coming, is the most powerful reason to endure hardships in, in life, adversity. And we're going through many challenging things right now. Not just the pandemic, but think of all the challenges that we've been through as a church and society in the world. We go through rough times. And it is a fact that our present, your present, is controlled by, by what you believe about your future. What you believe about your future has a bearing on your present, how you feel about it. Let me give you an example. Imagine two people that are offered a certain job, which is, that is a very tough job. For six months, they tell them, you will be in this very isolated location doing this boring, bad job. It's really bad. But the, one of them is told, if you endure the six months, then we'll let you choose any location you want, and we'll pay you $200,000 a year. The other one is told, when the six months are over, we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll renew your contract and you go for another six months. So the second person will start working and finally won't take it anymore. He says, well, why did I sign up for this? I cannot take it anymore. I quit. And you go to the other one and it's just whistling along. How is it going? Oh, it's not too bad. I can take it. Because what you believe about the future impacts how you feel about the present. And our faith in, tells us that Christ's return is a sort of promising future. Now, we may think that the, the second coming of Jesus is something awful. But that's not the way the New Testament speaks about that. It says the return of Jesus is not the crushing of all human hopes, but the fulfillment of all human hopes. The book of Revelation gives us this image of the second coming. It says, it's like the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. Now, did you hear that? It's not that we, these individual souls, are taken up into some ethereal space. No, it's heaven coming down to this earth, coming down to transform this world and establish a new heavens and a new earth. Because I think we do recognize the world we live in is pretty flawed, isn't it? It's a lot of problems. And naturally, we strive to improve things in our world. And if the Lord said to us, okay, your time has come. I'm calling you to myself. I think most of us would say, oh, no, Lord, please. I'm still working on a lot of things. I'm not done yet working on myself, working on my family, on society. I would like to achieve a lot of things. That, and the Lord would say, well, you haven't been told. 
No, what? It's impossible. You would never get it fixed. Even if I left you there a thousand years, you never do it. You never fix everything in your life, in your family, in society. What you're longing for is what I am planning to give you. A new heaven and a new earth. The world you always wanted and you never had. That's what I plan to give you when I come back. And with that future, we can endure a lot of things. There's, there's always that promise. And the third reason the second coming is relevant is that it saves us from losing our path, from losing our way, spiritually speaking. It's a point that St. John Henry Newman makes in his, the sermon, Watching. He says, watching for Christ is like waiting for a good friend, someone you love very much. And this good friend is coming and you're just waiting impatiently. But Newman says, most people are not waiting for Christ. They, are, they have started to feel like this world might be better than what God has to offer them. And so he says, they, they, they run into the spiritual danger. This is, I'm quoting his sermon now. He says, this is their fault, an identifying God with this world, and therefore an idolatry towards this world. And so they are rid of the trouble of looking out for their God, for they think that they have found God in the goods of this world. End of quote. And because idolatry is the greatest of all spiritual dangers uh, to point our lives not to God but to something else, that's why the expectation of the second coming of Christ is so important in a practical sense. Because it keeps our hopes from running out. This, the hope in the second coming keeps our, our other hopes from dying. I've met so many people that shared with me their own testimony, and it's something like this outline. They said, you know, before I encountered Christ, Father, my life was my job, or my life was athletics, or my life was my romantic relationship. And the problem is that when those hopes fall apart, and they do sometimes fall apart, then it can be the end of your life. You can just very quickly fall into depression, suicide. And that's why the hope of Christ's coming is so important, because it, 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 it's the one hope that can never run out, that can never fail to us. So I'd, I'd like to suggest two practical things to take away this weekend. The first one is to use this first reading we read from Isaiah as a sort of prayer of expectation. Maybe you want to print it out. It's Isaiah 63. You can look it up online in the UCCB website. And print it out or have it handy on your phone, on your screen, and recite it daily. Because it's a great prayer. Yeah, and you can, you can maybe... Uh, expand on it, put your own words in addition to, to what you're reciting there. And the second practical thing is we're having a program, uh, Journey of Advent, Journey Through Advent, I think that's the name, or Journey of Advent program. We'll give you materials for a daily reflection. We'll also have a video for um, each Sunday 
and we recommend a different sermon by St. John Henry Newman every week that you can take to your holy hour, which you can do in the church or at home, uh, but it's a lot of good material to do a good Advent. So you can join that. Go to the aucatholicdc.org website. Again, that's aucatholicdc.org, and you'll see that on the, on the homepage. You can click there and sign up for this program, and it's entirely online, obviously. You can get it all in your phone or, or device. So that's a good way to grow this, this Advent, to do this Advent journey together. So may we pray. Father, I don't always like who I am and the ways in which I react. Why do you hide your face from me and let me be hardened in my ways? But you are my father. You are the, pot, you are the potter and I am the clay. I ask you, Lord, that you may mold me in the image of Christ, your son. In his name we pray. Amen.